0: A very warm welcome to the Kudos community today. Kudos is a global leading provider of monetization applications for global users. It's creating a cleaner, more equitable world by making use of billions of dollars of underutilized hardware from around the world and then redistributing it for the betterment of communities and organizations. I'd like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors, AMD, a multinational semiconductor Goliath, developing GPU and CPU processors across the globe for gamers, designers, service providers, pretty much every walk of life. And to Algorand, currently building the technology that will accelerate the convergence between centralized and traditional finance, by enabling the creation of next-gen financial products. To support the Kudos Cast podcast, like and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Telegram, and we would love to hear your comments or questions, so leave them in the comments. Thank you. On today's Kudos cast, I'm joined by the fabulous Zravko Dimitrov. Hopefully I've done that justice. Uh, a Technologies. Yeah. Welcome to the Kudos cast. This is a, this is a really proud moment for me because, you know, we live in the world of crypto and blockchain and funny memes and, you know, terminology like hodl and biddle. And this is the first time I can actually say, and it's relative to the moon. And uh, so I'm happy to have you here on the Coolest cast today. Uh, so just to kind of give a little bit of explanation to our listeners, if you could provide us a little bit of background on yourself and also Sphere Technologies, that would be wonderful.
1: Absolutely. Um, so it's it's been a pretty long journey to get into here, but I'm CEO and founder of Sphere Technologies. Um, we're a startup in the space industry slash blockchain, which is a very unusual combination, but I'm going to explain... Later on, just how well they actually go together. But basically, this started off a couple of years ago when me and a couple of colleagues, mostly aerospace engineers, formed this group and decided that, you know, like we should we want to build satellites, we want to build space technology, and we want to work on this. So we started working on some R&D processes, uh, you know, like building satellite missions. And then in the process of that, we actually devised some very interesting concepts about solving problems and how you actually do space, how you how you build space technology and then we basically spun this off and created our own outfit so now we're here you know like running our own company and building some awesome products it's it's amazing
0: it's just you know that 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 idea the imagination and sky's not even the limit now because we're talking about space and how we can apply blockchain technology to that so cool. We're gonna we're gonna go into. Uh, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of much wow as they say. I'm trying to get all the sayings in today, as you can uh, as you can tell. Yeah, let's let's start off with a kind of the growing industry because the, the commercialization of space is growing. You know, at rates of knots. You've got the likes of. Elon Musk and SpaceX. You've got uh, Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other independent, privately owned space agencies that are popping up around the world and uh, commercialising it in different ways. And, and you're there, very much there at the uh, the forefront, I believe. So, you know, what does that actually mean for Spira? Uh,
1: so, we're uh, as a company, we belong to something that's called New Space. Um, so, these are like you mentioned companies that operate on a relatively new uh, mentality. Because space itself is uh, is a very heavy industry in terms of legacy, in terms of regulations and everything else. So uh, as we know, it's an industry that has origins in very deep military and government programs. Essentially the first satellites, the first rockets, uh, everything else was the product of some kind of a, a military or strategic program. And as a result, everything else that came after that has been following more or less the same like very strict government guidelines as to how you be operate how you fund these things and so forth so new space is basically the the rethinking of how this process happens that is to introduce um, a lot of private solutions to many of these technological problems that you have in the industry it's about finding sources of funding that are not necessarily government grants that are not necessarily some kind of a military budget or something else in essence, it's about having a space industry that is a lot closer to market realization. And as a basically, as a startup, uh, we belong to, to this pattern of companies that have identified specific commercial problems in the space industry, but not just. Uh, there's many industries that actually relate to space and can benefit from it. Essentially, all of these can be solved on a commercial principle, Essentially, you can generate revenue from specific services or from specific products, and there is more and more funding, there is more and more availability of technology, a lot of technology in space, including satellites has become very standardized. So this has brought costs down. Uh, Companies like SpaceX that uh, now standardize launch procedures have also made it easier to actually get up something into space. So there is a lot more private initiative in the space industry. And um, we're basically benefiting from this. And this is essentially this evolution of the entire industry is, is why we're here. We're why
0: seeing this you know, evolve at a rapid pace as well. I mean, it's very satisfying to watch a rocket re-land, you know, and know that it can be reused again and again and again. So yeah. It's an incredible absolutely.
1: sight. You know. so, yeah, a, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a game changer.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm. I'm probably, you know, the first time I watched that, I kind of thought I was just watching the TV on rewind. Right? It's
1: it's a little bit it's a little bit of a sci-fi view for sure. It's, it's not something that you would have expected to see in your lifetime, rather it's something that, that you would see in a movie. But uh, here we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Sphere, sphere Technologies, uh, you're capturing a lot of data, presumably with your services, and we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more in a moment with the with the actual products. But the what are what are the kind of use cases for that data?
1: That's a very good question. So um, actually, data is one of the first benefits and most tangible benefits that you can actually get from space. Earth observation data has been is what you call basically the the data of it's in the name. Uh, essentially you observe what's going on on the surface of the planet or you observe specific processes that happen. And this data is beneficial to pretty much every economic sector that you can think of Um, because let's take the simplest thing which is weather forecasts without an adequate weather forecasts you can't have airplanes landing or taking off securely so that's an entire sector uh, which is air traffic which is dependent on this without adequate weather forecasts agriculture is going to be a mess so food supply is heavily dependent on Earth observation data, not just weather data, but all kinds of observations of crops and uh, soils uh, and everything else. Um, You can use it for strategic purposes, which was basically the first use case of Earth observation data was to observe, let's say, enemy troop movements or, you know, like military facilities. Um, You can use it for to observe specific uh, industrial installations, industrial activities. Let's say nowadays it's possible to use radar satellites to let's say, image oil tanks and see what's the availability of, of oil inside the tanks. Uh, and once you accumulate enough of this, this data, you can actually start picking out trends and you can see, okay, in, this, in these periods of the year, you have a specific amount of oil available, uh, then you have less oil, and on the basis of this, you can actually make a lot of decisions. So as a primary, as a primary benefit, it, it gives you raw data into how, let's say, something is performing whether it's crops, whether it's movement of goods, whether it's something else. Um, you can also use it for climate as well. Uh, climate change is primarily examined through changes in atmospheric um, parameters and ice caps uh, delivered from satellites. Or you can derive on the basis of this data, you can actually derive secondary analysis to um, make some conclusions that are that have like a broader, broader base. Um, so Earth observation data is, like I said the most tangible possible use case of space um, and there are a lot of implications and we're yet to actually see them unfold
0: is it purely earth observation that you're focused on or are you are you looking outwards as well to other planets other stars other solar
1: systems that's a that's a very good question um, for now as you can figure out most economic activity is centered on earth so on a on a business, um, perspective it would make sense to focus on on earth because everything that we have happens here mm-hmm. um, because uh, in general uh, if, when you think about any kind of economic activity that goes on um, the technology that exists right now allows you to observe it from space um, precisely this new space drive all of this um, uh, commercialization of space activities has allowed a lot of companies to launch satellites and to, to gather such data and the primary bottleneck right now is actually in delivering this data to to users um which which is again a legacy of of old space because in previous years when space was mostly government owned and operated uh the only users that you would have of satellite data were uh, let's say some ministry of defense department of defense or whatever or some kind of government statistical service that wanted to look at, let's say, the crop yields from from last year and then make some uh, economic forecasts on the basis of that. So uh, companies or rather enterprises and agencies that produced this data didn't really have an incentive to build any kind of dissemination system. They knew they had one or two clients. They streamlined everything to deliver this data to these clients, and that's it, nothing else. But now that you have so many independent outfits, businesses, data-driven industries, you have more and more demand for such data and this is the primary bottleneck that needs to be solved. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to observation data, the primary demand is, is down here. I mean we still we still don't have colonies on let's say the moon or Mars that may need such data. I believe that's going to happen. but for now everything is, is focused on on earth and there's going to be more and more adoption of this data as we as we go forward.
0: Fantastic. So I'm going to have to rename the uh, podcast then, aren't I? From to the moon to, to the Earth. You've already been. Well, the moon look-
1: is still a, still a valid target, though. Absolutely, it's a very valid yeah. target. I
0: think you know. Well, well I mean, I'm mean i sure you agree because you're very much in this industry. And but within the uh, within our generation, we'll we'll see a civilization on the moon
1: within the next 15 years, maybe.
0: Oh, very exciting. Okay, uh, I actually own a bit of moon. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, valid it is, but I've got a certificate. I've got seven acres. Um, it's in the H119 zone or something along those lines. So, um, there you go. So if um, anyone needs to I could probably put it into an NFT or something, if anyone wants to kind of rent some space on the moon, i will be man. All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> we digress. So, um, you know, one of the outcomes of collecting such an enormous amount of data is that you need an enormous amount of computing power. So what are the current
1: limitations?
0: I mean, this move into kind of utilizing blockchain and, and web-free technology um, and, you know, our partnership between Spirit Technologies and, uh, and Kudos as well, you know, is based around the kind of computing power. So, you know, what are the kind of limitations you're seeing at the moment and what is driving this uh, outward look to the kind of web-free world? For-
1: so, yeah, I think what's, what we, where we can actually start is to, you know, like just uh, take a little peek into how things are done right now, um, just to see what the system is, and and why it's probably not going to be most the most optimal. So, up until this moment, agencies and companies, when they, you know, gathered all this these massive amounts of data, they either had their own, um, let's say, in house setup to process the data and receive it. So, you know, like they had their own servers or everything else. But considering that all of this is eventually ages and you have to replace it, then you're going to go for a, for a different LiDAR solution. And the, the available LiDAR solutions are pretty much your standard corporate cloud solutions, which is where you basically put your data on. Um, and from that point on, you, you actually crunch this raw data coming from the satellites into a product that you can actually sell. So the main issue with this is that um, you, as you can imagine, for these volumes of data, you don't really have a lot of providers for this type of service, you have just a handful of major cloud mastodons that have massive infrastructure. But essentially, the core problem with this is that you're, you're placing an entire very, very large load of data and very, a lot of you place a lot of value into one provider of service. So you essentially you form a dependence of your business or of your especially for space agencies, that's pretty bad. um, Because A lot of space agencies are government funded and the government would like to know, okay, so why do you use this, you know, like corporate cloud provider? Why don't we use our own in-house infrastructure? Mm -hmm. Why don't we use something that doesn't put us in a specific dependence? So it's a a very quick solution, but it's not often an optimal solution from a a business point of view. And we have identified the need for a different type of resource. a resource that doesn't sit or reside within a single entity, but rather a resource that is more decentralized. Um, and that in its own creates some interesting benefits because you you don't have, when you operate on a non-cloud architecture, you, you basically don't have, let's say, uh, uh, points like data centers or something else, uh, but you, you have your infrastructure distributed everywhere. Mm-hmm um so it's uh it's a lot more organic to to actually scale and you have a much 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 more different incentive to to actually grow this network so the main limitation would be from the point of view of actually putting your like all of your eggs in one basket so you, you if you have to use the traditional means of computing your data and, and crunching your raw data into an actual product you either have to expend a lot of resources to build an in-house infrastructure, which almost nobody does anymore, or you have to become very dependent on a single entity for, for all of this uh, computing power, which is precisely where decentralized uh, computation comes in because it, it you can actually tap into massive computing power. while at the same time, you don't really create a dependence because it's a decentralized network. It's something that's that has no single owner. Uh, and this is how you actually you actually solve two problems, and uh, it, it's something that's um, it has a lot of perspective, especially in an industry that is very um, very sensitive to things like who actually owns your resources, how you actually operate them, and so forth.
0: I guess the um, type of data you're capturing is is non-personalized, right? There's no email addresses or medical records in there. This is you know, purely observational data. Is that is the observational data coming down as pictures, as videos, or is it kind of ones and zeros and, you know, the, the patterns are assembled and constructed into some other kind of useful information output?
1: So that's a very interesting question. Um, data, of course, comes either as a radio signal. Um, this is the primary way of communicating data between satellites and Earth. Um, so what we're building, actually, the, the current focus of, of our product is to build a ground station network as a first step which is the purpose of this is to make it easy for space companies to find antennas because a ground station, is it's essentially an antenna with a decoder. That's the easiest way you can actually imagine this thing. So we essentially offer a decentralized ground station network to space companies uh, so that they can beam their data as a radio signal back to Earth. And then uh, the signal is basically turned into digital data that later is converted into pictures because the data itself is pictures, but to reach or from orbit to earth, you, you have to, it has to go several transformations, but it's images, it's largely images. There are of course, other types of data, which are not exactly pictures. For example, you have radar data, synthetic aperture, radar, or SAR data, which unlike images can actually go through sensors for SCR can actually go through clouds, so you can actually see through clouds or, or light cover. And there is also atmospheric data which is which is even more weird. So it it's basically captures radio signals traveling through the atmosphere. And then you study how this signal changes so that you can actually make some conclusions about the state of the atmosphere, which is used for meteorology a lot. But it's mostly it's mostly pictures that you have to process, you have to collect into an adequate album suitable for the use case. And then on the basis of this collection of images, you can You can basically make conclusions you you have to make your analysis so let's say you picture a farm you picture this farm every single week and when you pull out the data set and you have pictures from the last three months judging by different indicators by different data inside the image can actually say whether a let's say a specific crop is is doing well whether there is a specific uh, disease that maybe affects part of the plot, whether you have you know some kind of damage from a fire, all of this can be assessed from from orbit. So the point is, of course, like I said, to first convert it from raw data into into pictures, and then the other the other secondary process that you may have is to pull out the insights from these pictures, which can which can also be automated and require, of course, computation power because. What we're seeing increasingly in the the industry is application of AI, uh, so that you can basically pull the analytics on tremendous amounts of data uh, in an automated manner.
0: Does that mean that you can take a picture through clouds and see the ground,
1: the cloud doesn't obscure the picture? That's correct. That's that's correct. Through using synthetic aperture radar technology, which is, it's basically a, a sensor it's pretty much what the name says it's a radar so it can look through clouds you can identify with some some pretty good accuracy um what's going on down there which you can do with with optical imaging which is the vast majority of images that you that you get right now but yeah it's one of the benefits of new space and commercialization of technology because previously this was something that was available to maybe a handful of military operators but now it's it's technology that private companies can develop and um you know commercialize
0: wow okay that's that's super fascinating well wow. that's it's kind of blown my mind a little bit so let's let's talk a little bit about your technology stat because you've got you've, you you mentioned about the the kind of uh, the ground series array or the, the receivers should we say that's that's home port is that correct
1: That's correct. So the application that we've been building uh, is called Homeport, which is a ground segment as a service platform. It's a fairly new sector uh, in the space industry. And the core purpose is boils down to just that. Uh, If you're a space company, uh, you have to build two things. Up until now, you have to build two things. One is your satellite or satellites. The other is your ground infrastructure. But since the ground infrastructure doesn't really carry that much value within the whole operation, most of the value is from The data that you actually gather in orbit Mm -hmm. there's a lot of companies that seek to avoid this step not build the ground ground infrastructure not build all these antennas but actually rent them from providers or from from companies who already have antennas or build their own antennas so this is this is the essence of ground segment as a service and the home port as a platform basically does precisely this if you operate your own ground station uh you will be able to Basically, plug your ground station into this infrastructure, and then offer it to space companies, and generate revenue on the basis of that. So this is the this is the platform at work, and which is the gateway for the data. But of course, uh, as already mentioned, this is raw data that comes in. This is just some raw signal that needs to be turned into a commercial product. So you have a whole sequence of steps that follow after that that follow this, and in precisely to to be able to aggregate available resources to turn this data into a product. We started building Ephemeris, uh, which is our own uh, tokenization protocol. Uh, And the purpose of Ephemeris is precisely to be able to provide a very effective pipeline, very secure pipeline for the data from the station to the end user, whether it's a marketplace, uh, whether it's an individual user or something else, but basically store, process the data and disseminate. So this is this is pretty much how it it looks in, in perspective
0: right. okay okay great thank thank you for clarifying that and you know this is um going scale right as as your as your company as your business as your network of uh, ground receivers expands as your customer base increases so I'm trying to I'm trying to visualize or conceptualize how much data exactly you're taking in have you have you got like a figure that you've got now and what you're expecting that to be in? I don't know maybe exabytes or whether it's best to uh, it's, to provide that scale?
1: That's, that's another really good question. Um, it's difficult to tell um, because this it, it changes all the time. Uh, but on average, a single Earth observation satellite can dump dozens of gigabytes of data per day. And we have hundreds of these satellites up in orbit. By 2030, I believe one of the forecasts is that their number is gonna be about 1,200. But this number could be well beyond that. Um, so it, on average, every single day, there's probably dozens of terabytes of data delivered. Um, so it's a pretty big volume that, that can be serviced. Uh,
0: do you have the facilities, the ability to process a hundred percent of that data or, or, or do you process a, a, a smaller percentage and some of it's discarded or, or kept in some kind of repository for, for later on?
1: Yeah, well, we Basically, we won't be processing all of this data that comes in because this is the total global. But it's uh, it's necessary to have available the infrastructure to process it. Otherwise, the data becomes um, becomes useless. Yeah. Because uh, first of all, is that you actually have several levels of processing. The first one is that you essentially turn the raw signal into into digital data, uh, and that's where you actually have the very first level of processing then you actually have to clean up the images because inevitably you're going to have a lot of images that they just don't mean anything for example if you're using an optical imager there's a very high chance that you're going to be capturing some clouds or it's going to be a picture that doesn't give you any information so once you once you clean up the junk data then you go to the next step of actually starting to uh, compile pieces that are compatible because Let's say if, if you have the same farm that we discussed previously, uh, you're going to have a picture that, for example, captures like the upper left corner of the farm and a lot of other stuff that isn't part of this. But then you're going to have a picture where the farm is dead center inside the image. And then you're going to have another image which has just, you know, like a just a small strip of the farm. So the point is to collect all of these images and have a concise album, which always gives you the full the full scene, the full object that you're actually trying to to, to picture. So all of this is requiring processing power, which of course is um, going to be made available um, for the companies to basically use in order to like already mentioned to to turn this into into something that they can actually sell and generate revenue from wow
0: okay yeah so, so I, I i asked that question because um there was you know, probably probably a, a couple of years ago we were talking to a big kind of scientific institution and they were saying that they collect such a vast amount of data they can only actually process about five percent of it they would need to uh, you know it's that 20-fold their their yeah. their infrastructure just to be able to process all of it
1: Yes. Yes. True. That's uh, that's a deficit. So there is definitely a need for more for more processing infrastructure. And what's important is to have this infrastructure available, easily available, and to to be to make it scalable. Which is precisely where I think what we're working on together is is something that's um, that's going to resolve quite a few issues that currently is, exist, because this is um, this is going to be something that allows all all these raw data sets to become something useful and basically reach all these intended industries and users that are out there.
0: Yeah, it's the the perfect use case for you know the kudos network and scalable compute and you know another distributed decentralized you know computing that comes out in the future because you're going to need a lot of it right so um, this is going to scale huge and you won't be the only ones either right as uh, as soon as people uh, as the technology uh, evolves and it catches on with maybe some of the more uh, more established ones have been out there for longer in this in the industry start moving across
1: absolutely and as as the number of users grow you're also going to have more and more usage of ai to basically comb through existing archives because another another issue is that there's actually a lot of earth observation data it's not like there's a shortage of data but the problem is that very very little of it actually gets processed Um, and that's owing to two two reasons it's one of them is is as we discuss this is uh, an insufficient amount of of computing power and infrastructure to actually make sense of all this data and the other one is that people are still not very well educated about the benefits of, of this type of data i mean there is a load of industries that can actually use it but they just look into how complicated and how complex it is to to actually get the data and to then you know like process it into something that's useful for their business case for them that's that's a very foreign process Mm -hmm. and that's precisely what we seek to do we we seek to make it very simple over ephemeris to uh, make sense of all this data and to provide the tools to actually process it so let's say you have your own artificial intelligence algorithm to basically filter out plots of land that have buildings on them like let's say you're interested in urban development and you want to see how many buildings have been built in a specific uh, area. So you can actually do this with, with adequate algorithms, uh, with the adequate data set. All you need is to get the infrastructure to actually run through this whole thing, uh, run your algorithms. You need the infrastructure to store it. Um, and of course, you need the infrastructure to disseminate it, which is precisely where where what we do uh, through Ephemeris is an infrastructure and where Kudos is going to be useful in providing the computation power comes in. Absolutely. And,
0: and Ephemeris is, is, you know, it's your own blockchain. Have you have you built that from the ground up or have you used, Kudos, for instance, you, we've used the Cosmos SDK, so it's our own chain, but we've used that kind of uh, toolset, if you like, Um, what's Ephemeris based uh,
1: So we'll be building building this on top of Polygon. Okay. Uh, so it's not, uh, not building our own because we don't believe in basically reinventing the wheel, at least for our use case. Sometimes it's very appropriate and very necessary. Um, But for our case, when we have a pretty clear business use, uh, we've decided to go down a route which is a bit simpler, um, but at the same time, it's it's going to provide us with a lot of benefits. So we've decided to just build on top of Polygon and then at that point on uh, basically allow everybody who's interested into building tools to use Ephemeris to either, let's say, build their own marketplace build some some other type of service that may be suitable for the space industry um, in order to further further monetize whatever they're doing
0: okay so what is the vision for spira technologies Um, i think i I feel like actually you've been through quite a lot of it already today but if i was going to say right uh the impact of your efforts now where does that leave you in 10 years time
1: I honestly believe that the space industry has to be very decentralized because it's still a very much top-down industry. Our vision is that we're going to be the main driver for this because we've seen the main the main inefficiencies in how we actually build a space project or how we build a satellite. There is a lot of paperwork, there is a lot of documentation uh, and there is a lot of trust issues in the industry. It's a very paradoxical industry which basically once you develop very fast there is a lot of uh, capital flowing into it and it's by default a very global industry but it's at the same time it has still these uh, let's say centralized top-down strings that come with it so how do you actually expand globally a hyper regulated industry you know it's paradoxical when you think about it so this is this is where i come back to something i mentioned previously is that space and, and blockchain actually go well, go together very well because blockchain can actually solve a lot of these trust issues. It can provide automation and it can replace a lot of the paperwork that currently stunts the space industry and makes it still very inefficient. And our vision is to be at, at the very least, to be at the center of this process and to develop the tools to make it possible for a lot of users, a lot of new companies to be able to join the industry and not just data companies as Ephemeris when we're, we're basically starting off with, with data, but there's a lot of other use cases that can solve, can be solved and be made more efficient through tokenization. Uh, so we're looking forward to be developing this and basically Ephemeris is going to be a flagship uh, effort of our company to make space more available for, for everyone and you know going with that it's the direction is to the moon and beyond
0: very exciting okay i mean thank you very much for for joining today's uh, kudos cast i mean it's, it's a subject that i would absolutely love to speak about and talk about all day long just interesting right it's just you know all the different applications that we've had come onto the kudos cast so far uh, when i say applications that the the applications for blockchain you know we've had hollywood on we've had uh cell phone talking about space you know we've we've been talking about it it, it's just it's just crazy really i'm I'm kind of my mind's gone blank i've gave you two examples i've made out to be (laughs) quite broad we've talked about volcanoes and you know how you create geothermal (laughs) energy anyway the list goes on it's all uh it's all very exciting I, i love having these uh these conversations and uh and this one hasn't even been metaverse related. This is actually real, real universe, right? Uh, physical stuff. It's yeah. up there. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, uh, so uh, Dravko, uh, any any kind of final thoughts or anything you'd like to say before we we kind of wrap it up here today?
1: Honestly, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to be to be discussing all these topics here. But um, I do believe that this is just the beginning. Uh, it's it's an industry where people don't really, most people don't realize how much. Potential there is for change, and blockchain is going to be a major game changer. We're already seeing some indications, so I, I do think it's a very exciting field with a lot of opportunities. And any kind of any kind of progress that comes in is is more than welcome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been a pleasure discussing this here, and there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff ahead.
0: Absolutely, and and the, and the wonderful thing about how you're setting this up and. You know the decentralization of not only your your services but the infrastructure that sits underneath it is of course that everyone can be involved everyone can contribute and, and, and be rewarded from it so if you're a space enthusiast you know um or you want to contribute to climate change research or uh, soil erosion research or whatever that's going to be then you know by by just by nature of uh you know pre- presenting or contributing your your hardware to a network to a decentralized network like kudos means that you are yeah. helping, you are contributing. Dravko, Dimitrov, thank you very, very much for coming on the Kudos cast. This has been super thank interesting. You. It's definitely caught my uh, curiosity, so thank you. And uh, once again, to everyone that's at home or in their car, this has been the Kudos cast, and it's been a blast. We hope you enjoyed this week's Kudos cast, and a big thank you to our sponsors once again, Algorand outlier ventures and amd you can check them out in the description below and don't forget to like and leave us a review to support this podcast and for more content you can find us on twitter telegram instagram and medium until next time adios and au revoir